Hey, this is Glover Teixeira, UFC light heavyweight champion. Hi, I'm Robbie Lawler. What's up, Fight Family? This is your favorite MMA coach, Tiago Alves, the Pitbull. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Pedro Munoz. This is Mike Brown. Hi, I'm Alexei Alenik. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And this is We Want One Picks. And you're watching We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. Hi, everybody from America. My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. And hopefully you've been paying attention because we are coming off the second week in a row where I hit every single bet that I put on the screen. We crushed UFC Austin's bets. We crushed UFC Vegas 57's bets. And we're going to try to repeat that success here. I'm going to walk through the entire UFC 276 fight card. I'm going to give you my picks and my bets. And if you want 50 bucks for free, all you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, sign up with any one of our five betting partners, make a deposit, and I send you 50 bucks. All you need to do, wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five different betting partners. They all offer their own promos, their own matches. And then on top of that, after you sign up and make a deposit, we send you 50 bucks. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it. And this is an okay pay-per-view. It is not the greatest pay-per-view of all time, but I'm positive we will be entertained and there'll be some really fun matchups. And opening up that card, we have Jessica Rose Clark taking on Julia Stolarienko. Jessica Rose Clark is a slick striker who's coming off a grappling loss to Stephanie Egger, where she was taken down twice and then quickly submitted. Her striking is technically sound, and she has legit power in her hands. She's more of a boxer than a kickboxer, but she can be deadly from anywhere on her feet. She can be nasty in the pocket and throws with bad intentions. We haven't seen much grappling out of her in the past, but seven takedowns in her last three fights, including five against Shazan Edwards, is showing that Jessica Rose Clark is evolving as a fighter. Julia Stolyrenko is an interesting fighter to break down. She has zero wrestling, miserable takedown accuracy of 12%, but she's very slick off her back, and she has a ton of submission wins outside of the UFC. She actually almost submitted Alexis Davis in her last fight off her back with an armbar. Her striking is a bit sloppy, and she's very hittable with a negative striking differential of two and a half to four, but she's willing to brawl, and she has very heavy kicks. And I absolutely love Jessica Rose Clark in this fight. I already snatched up a money line bet at minus 140 on her. She's proven that her striking is slick and she can grapple when she needs to. I know she's coming off a rough submission loss in her last fight. And I know Storlyanko is very dangerous off her back, but I don't think that's a factor here. Jessica should have the much cleaner striking and she should be able to cruise to a decision on her feet. Julia's miserable takedown defense will not be enough to get this to the ground. And that's where she needs to be to win this fight. So Jessica Rose Clark is the pick, and I've got a money line bet on her. Then we've got Brad Tavares taking on Jerikis Duplessis. Brad Tavares is a tried and true entity that isn't nearly as active of a fighter as I would like. He does not fight very often at all. And for anyone unfamiliar with Brad, let me walk through his resume. He's 14-6 and six in the UFC, and his losses are to Yoel Romero, Israel Adesanya, 
Robert Whitaker and Edmund Shabazian. He's a solid striker with very good takedown defense at 79%, and he has that Hawaiian fighting spirit. He has only fought twice in two years, but he is riding a nice two-fight win streak. Jurikis Duplessis is a very good striker with a 100% finish rate. He's exciting to watch because of his explosiveness, and he is incredible incredible with those leg kicks he's a very good grappler as well in his fight with trevin giles which was only eight minutes he took him down twice reversed him and had minutes of control time and when he's on the ground he hunts for submissions and looks for stoppages there as well the betting line here has brad as a very slight favorite and i get it He's tough, he's durable, he has a ton of high-level experience, but my concern for him in this fight is that even though he's so tough and experienced, he is a striker, and I don't think he's going to be the better striker in this fight. Three of his six UFC losses are knockouts, and the other three he was outstruck or outwrestled. Drikas is absolutely going to be the more dangerous striker in this fight, but we have never seen him to a decision. So I just don't know if he can keep that striking pace for three rounds and then win a decision. So this is a really, really tough pick. But I do think I'm leaning towards Drikas here. This is a no-bet fight for me because there's just too much uncertainty with Tavares' inactivity, Drikas' ability to fight three hard rounds. There's a lot of stuff in the air. I'm actually curious what you guys think. Let me know in the comments how you feel about this fight. Now we've got Jessica I taking on Macy Barber. Jessica I is an OG in the women's division, and she's been a pro since 2010. She's very tough. She's got solid striking, and she's an old-school take-one-to-give-one type striker. She does not do well when she's bullied, but she is a pretty good bully herself. She's an okay grappler when she needs to be, and she was able to take down Jennifer Maya twice in her last fight, which was a loss. Macy Barber's a very good striker with great boxing and improved wrestling. She's not a grappler in style, but she does have well-timed takedowns when she needs them. And she was able to take down Montana De La Rosa in her last fight. She's very tough physically, but the knock on her is that she can break mentally in fights. And don't let Jessica I's recent record fool you. Yes, she's only one and four in her last five, but those losses were to Jennifer Maya, Joanne Calderwood, Cynthia Calvillo, and Valentina Shevchenko, who are all currently or were previously ranked inside of the top 10. Jessica has no problem slugging it out and has absolutely a granite chin. Macy will be the more technical striker and will probably be able to work in takedowns when needed, but she needs to avoid the firefight because Jessica I's path to victory is to make this as ugly as possible, remove the distance, stay in Macy's face, I do like Macy in this matchup. I think she gets it done, but you, you always got to be a little bit nervous when you get one of these veterans and they bring all that veteran savvy to the table. But Macy gets this done, and she probably is solid enough for a money line bet. Then we have the return of Uriah Hall, and he's taking on Andre Muniz. And this card is full of older vets who are still dangerous and Uriah Hall is one of them. It's incredible what he can do striking. He can be gun-shy at times, but he has incredible power, athleticism, and creativity with his strikes. He's coming off that loss to Sean Strickland where his strikes were doubled and he gave up four takedowns. Historically, he did have solid takedown defense, but it dropped down to 65%, and that may be a problem for him in this fight because Andre Muniz is a BJJ killer. 
He's got pretty good striking and okay wrestling. He hits very hard and has some clean striking entries. And it's important for me to emphasize here that he isn't just a grappler and to highlight that he does have clean striking entries because he is so incredibly dangerous on the ground that Uriah Hall and everyone else that ever fights Muniz will only want to strike with him. Nobody's going to want to grapple with him. He has six fights in the UFC with four submission wins and three arm bars in a row. That's how dangerous this guy is on the ground. Right now, Muniz is sitting at almost a three to one favorite, and I get it. He's ridiculously dangerous on the ground, and we just saw Uriah Hall get taken down four times by Sean Strickland, who is a striker, but that was only the second time in his last 16 fights that Uriah Hall was taken down more than once. So I have to assume he just wasn't prepared to grapple in that fight, and he will be prepared to grapple in this fight. And this is so tricky because Uriah Hall's a very good striker, but he is timid and he doesn't let his hands go. And if I knew he would go out there, push a striking pace instead of waiting, he would be my pick without question. But knowing he can be slow to let his hands go has me worried. And I just feel like he's going to give Muniz the openings and I need, I just need to lean Muniz here because I think he's going to waste zero time striking, immediately look to grapple. And I... I know a lot of you are going to say, well, Uriah Hall's never been submitted before, which is true, but neither had Jacare Souza, and Muniz snapped that dude's arm. So Muniz is the pick. I do think these odds are wide. Three to one is a little crazy against a guy like Uriah Hall, who's dangerous, experienced, you know, decent everywhere, but a phenomenal striker. So I'm leaning Muniz because there's a clear path to victory there, but Uriah Hall may be a very, very live underdog on this card. Then we have a battle of the vets. Donald Cerrone, that poor bastard, two fights in a row, his fight was canceled on the day of the fight. But now he's stepping up on short notice. He's taking on Jim Miller. And this is a rematch between two aging legends. They collectively share an insane amount of UFC records. And Donald Cerrone is stepping up on short notice after his Joe Lozon fight was canceled for the second time. This fight is at welterweight instead of lightweight, which is what Donald cut to last week. So Donald Cerrone made lightweight Two times in the last, what, six weeks? That's done. He's at welterweight for this fight. Jim Miller is a legend, and he has multiple records in the UFC for longevity. He has very good grappling with clean boxing, but his wrestling is just okay. He has all the veteran savvy, toughness, and grit you could ever want from a fighter, but he's older. The chin's going, the speed's going, the durability is going, and I'm not sure how many more fights he has left in the UFC. And with all of that being said, he is on a two-fight win streak with two knockouts over UFC prospects in a row. He's a tried-and-true grappler, and he has found his power in his hands at 38 years old. Donald Cerrone is a fun striker with incredible kicks and sneaky power. He is a slow starter, but once he hits his rhythm, he flows really well and puts together incredible combinations. But he isn't just a striker. He's got very slick submissions where he uses scrambles and his length really well to grab arm bars, and he'll even throw up triangles from the bottom. He has 47 fights under the UFC WEC umbrella and has literally fought everyone there was to fight at 155 and 170. He has wins over current champion Charles Oliveira, former champion Eddie Alvarez, former champion Benson Henderson, and so many more. And it's an interesting fight, and it's a much harder fight for Cowboy than I think Joe Lozon was. I, I thought Cowboy was going to blow through Joe Lozon, but with Jim Miller, I'm not so sure. This is a rematch from 2014 where Cowboy did knock out Jim Miller in the second round. But 2014 was Cowboy's prime. 
He was in the middle of an eight-fight win streak that led to his one and only title shot. 2022 is a much different story, and I think I like Jim Miller here, and that is based solely on Jim Miller's last two fights. Cowboy should absolutely be the more technical fighter, and if he's made all of these life changes that he's been talking about, he might look great. But hopping into a short-notice fight against somebody as tough as Jim Miller is, it's more of the old Cowboy. Coming in on short notice, up a weight class. And those are the life changes he said he got out of and he just fell right back into that rhythm. It's gonna be, this is a really tough pick. I, I think I'm siding with Jim Miller here, but the odds are kind of crazy. Donald Cerrone is a, a two to one underdog and he might be worth a couple dollars sprinkle there because listen, we don't know what's gonna happen in this fight. 38 versus 39, like these guys... These guys are way past their prime and either one of them can get put out or this could be an absolute war. Jim Miller's the pick literally because of how good he has looked in his last two fights and what he's done to these young up-and-coming UFC prospects. But Donald Cerrone at plus 200 might be worth a couple of dollar long shot. Now we've got Ian Gary taking on Gabe Green. And Ian Gary is still pretty young in his UFC career with only nine fights, but the UFC is wasting no time trying to turn him into a star. And this will be his fourth fight in a year. And although he has had some favorable matchups in the past, this will be a solid test for him. He's a good striker with crazy hand speed and fantastic footwork. He's hittable, and if you go back to his UFC de debut, you'll understand why this is such a dangerous fight for him. I think Ian Gary has a ton of potential, but he needs to clean some things up so he doesn't lose to the more technical strikers or get caught with his chin up. Gabe Green is a grappler, but he does have solid striking and good pressure. He has a very comfortable striking style where he works in kicks really well, and he has a slick ground game where even if he's the one taken down, he's always threatening with a submission, and that sets up his sweeps and his scrambles. He's coming off a great knockout over Johan Lyonis, where he was taken down twice and knocked down twice in a fight that he was likely on his way to losing, but he came back, he pulled it off, and he got that knockout win. And I mentioned earlier that the UFC is trying to turn Gary into a star, and I think this is another step in that direction. Gabe Green is dangerous. He has power in his hands. He's a solid grappler. He's tough. He's athletic. But he also has a negative striking differential, and he's very hittable with almost seven significant strikes per minute landed on him. And as much as I think Ian needs to clean things up, there's no doubting his power and speed. And if he's able to hit a flow like he did against Darian Weeks, and if he's landing seven significant strikes per minute on green, I see Gary having a ton of success. So I do think he's a bit overrated at this point, but I don't think this is the fight that's going to derail the hype train. So I like Ian Gary to win, but it'll be interesting to see if he gets into some trouble here against Gabe Green. Then we have Robbie Lawler taking on Brian Barbarena. And Robbie Lawler is a technical brawler. He can wrestle. He's a ton of fun to watch because he has clean technique and he will do the right things and then he'll just get pulled into a brawl and start throwing big, heavy shots. If you go watch his title fights with Rory McDonald, it was clean, nice technique at range and then just dirty, disgusting firefight brawl inside the pocket. And even at 40 years old, Robbie Lawler is a dangerous striker with enough experience and power to give people trouble. The problem is he's definitely taking a lot of damage in, in his career, and I think he's starting to decline a little bit. 
Similar to Robbie Lawler, though, Brian Barberena is a fun brawler who likes to come forward. He has a good gas tank, and he's a busy striker. But unlike Robbie Lawler, he's not very technical. But he is technical enough, and he has enough gas and enough pressure to make up for some of those holes. He has decent wrestling and grappling, but he almost never uses it. A few years ago, he had a great chin, but... He's also starting to fade, and he's been in a few too many wars. What makes him so fun is that his entire game plan is get hit, come forward, and then hit your opponent. I love Robbie Lawler. I've been following his career since he was 19 years old, and I'm glad he got that win over Nick Diaz, but I don't know how many wins he has left. Even in that Nick Diaz fight, he didn't look great. Yes, he got the destruction at the end, but Nick was doing pretty well. Typical Nick Diaz volume. But then Nick just straight up quit. He didn't want to be in there. And Byron Barrena is not a quitter. He's incredibly durable. His volume is impressive. He landed 186 strikes against Matt Brown in a fight where he was taken down five times. 134 strikes against Darian Weeks in a fight where he was taken down four times. And in his fight against Vicente Luque, he landed 195 strikes. And that didn't even go to the judges. So I think Brian Barbarena's forward pressure, constant volume, I think that's going to be the difference here. And I think Brian Barbarena gets another win over an aging legend. I'll be rooting for Robbie Lawler, but I think Brian Barbarena's, I mean, look how many significant strikes he's landed per minute. I think that's going to be the difference here. Then we've got another banger. We got Brad Riddell taking on Jalen Turner. Brad Riddell's a great striker with nice volume and big power. He was riding a seven-fight win streak before that late stoppage to fellow Tiger Muay Thai coach Rafael Fizayev. But Brad isn't just a technical striker. He can grapple as well. He has a takedown in every single UFC fight, including five against Drew Dober last year. Jalen Turner is a good boxer who somehow manages to come forward and keep the fight at range at the exact same time. He's an incredible 6-3, and he will tower over the 5-7 Brad Riddell. And even though he's known for his striking, two of his last four UFC wins are by submission, which just shows how well-rounded he is. He's coming off a second-round KO over Jamie Malarkey, where he looked great. He had a ton of power, but he stayed patient and composed instead of just chasing that knockout. And this is a really fun matchup between two strikers who can also grapple if needed. Where Brad is more of a pure boxer, Jalen does mix in kicks pretty well, and he has the higher volume. Jalen is landing almost seven significant strikes to Brad's five, and he has an 80% takedown accuracy to Brad's 39. I think Brad Riddell will be the more technically sound striker, but Jalen's length, raw power, and superior grappling will be able to get this done. And I got a money line bet on Jalen Turner at minus 119. But again, this is another really fun fight on a card full of pretty close fights. But Jalen Turner is the pick. Then we have, I don't know how to feel about this fight. We got Pedro Munoz taking on Sean O'Malley. This should be a really fun fight, but I'm almost sad for it. I love Pedro Munoz, but I feel like he only gets these ridiculously tough fights. The guy never catches a break. But Pedro Munoz, he is a very good striker. He sets a nonstop pace. He's got incredible leg kicks. He's a very dangerous BJJ guy as well, but he doesn't look to take it to the ground himself. He has a negative striking differential, which I've said before surprises me because without statistics, if you just watch his fights, it looks like he's out striking people two to one. And in his fights, the reality is he's getting outstruck five to six. And I mentioned he never had an easy fight. This dude has just tough, tough, tough fights. And it's easy to say, oh, he's one and four in his last five. But 
His four losses are to Dominic Cruz, Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar, and Aljamain Sterling. Literally all champions and likely Hall of Famers. Sean O'Malley, on the other hand, has been very vocal, and understandably so, that he wants the easiest fights possible. He gets paid to fight. He gets paid the same amount regardless of who he fights. So he just wants easy fights and an easy payday, and he's very vocal about that. Style-wise, Sean is a great striker with very real power and accuracy. He's very athletic, and he pretty much does whatever he wants on his feet, including a wide array of ticks and spinning techniques that actually land. People have been critical of him in the past, me included, over that leg issue with Cheeto Vera, but I think he's proven since then that he's tough, he's not a quitter, and Cheeto Vera's proven that he's a savage. And I hate this fight. And not because it's hard to pick, but because I don't know what it does for anyone. Pedro is a legit talent in the UFC, and they just seem to be hell-bent on destroying him. And Sean O'Malley is a name that they're trying to build up, and even though I think he wins this fight, I don't see him winning by stoppage, which means Sean O'Malley, the guy the UFC is trying to convince us is the next Conor McGregor, is going to win a decision over a one-and-four fighter in his last five. And I'm, I'm being a little dramatic here, but I do think the difference will be Sean's accuracy. I think he'll, you know, he'll get this done. I think Pedro's volume and come forward pressure is actually going to work against him because somebody as accurate as Sean O'Malley, he's just going to stick and move and stay on the outside and light Pedro up on those entries. If Pedro can get his light kicks going, he may have some success there, but I think Sean O'Malley gets this done. I, I just hate it. I, I just hate this matchup. I want Pedro to get a nice win. I want Sean, listen, if Sean's going to fight people, knock him out or give him a top five guy. I, I don't know what this fight does. Let me know if you think I'm being dramatic and you don't agree with that breakdown, but we'll see what happens. We've got Sean Strickland next, and he's taking on Alex Pajeda. This is the people's main event. I think I care about this fight more than any other fight on this entire card. It should be a banger. There's so many questions, and there's legit title implications coming out of this fight. And Sean Strickland's a blue-collar striker. He just walks forward. He throws a ton of punches. He does not have incredible power, but he's lighting people up, and his power is deceiving. He lands jabs that seem to do real damage, even though the strikes are coming from his arms, and there's zero hip rotation behind any of them. He has a fantastic takedown defense at 85%, and as we saw against Uriah Hall, a pretty impressive takedown offense as well. He had four takedowns in that fight, and now he averages more than one takedown per fight, and all of that may be very important in this matchup. Alex Pajeda is a very high-level kickboxer. He's famous for knocking out Israel Adesanya. Alex is exactly as good at striking as you would expect. He has great leg kicks, great body kicks, great power. Everything is well-timed and well-distanced. The big question anyone has with these high-level strikers is the takedown defense and the grappling. He was taken down twice by Bruno Silva. He was taken down twice by Andreas Michalaitis in fights where the grappling just didn't matter. And listen, Alex Pajeda is a dangerous striker, maybe the most dangerous striker in the division. And if I have to critique him, I would say that he probably trusts his chin maybe a little too much because he can be hittable. But his head movement is amazing, and he does hit hard. In the fight with Bruno Silva, he never lost his power, never lost his confidence. He stood up on both of those takedowns, and he answered a lot of questions. Conventional wisdom will tell you that this is striker versus striker, and if that's the case, then it's a slam dunk pick for Alex Pajeda. Not only is he the more accomplished striker, he also has the more dangerous 
striking, the more live for a knockout. But as we saw in his fight against Uriah Hall, Sean Strickland can grapple. In fact, he has 16 takedowns in the UFC. And that would normally concern me, especially considering Pajeda has been taken down four times in two fights. But he's also defended 11. And he stood up pretty quickly on both those, on all four of those takedowns. And I know this is MMA and not kickboxing, but I think I got to go with Pajeda here. The guy is insanely powerful, has a granite chin, and so far a pretty solid getup game. So the pick is Pajeda. I am very excited to watch this fight. And I'm definitely going to find some betting action here. And we always talk about bet online and those safety net bets inside the distance, decision, no action, all of that type stuff. Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five different betting partners. Sign up with any one of them, make a deposit, and we send you 50 bucks as a thank you. That's wewantpicks.com slash bets. We got the co-main event of the evening. We have Alexander Volkanovsky fighting Max Holloway for the 17th time. And I have no doubt this is going to be a fun fight, especially considering the first two fights were fun. I just don't care. I, I really don't care about this fight. I would much rather see Volkanovsky fight Henry Cejudo. With that being said, I am positive that I'm going to be entertained and I'll enjoy it. I'm just, I'm just sick of breaking down this exact same fight. Alexander Volkanovsky has been champion for two and a half years. And even though he's only fought three people, he is putting together quite the legacy for himself. Alexander is a good striker who has legit speed in his hands and his feet. He uses kicks really well and he uses his combinations to set up clean takedowns. He's a short guy, but he doesn't struggle finding the head or getting to the hips. He's very strong, but he doesn't really possess knockout power. Max Holloway is an amazing striker with very fluid movements that keeps his volume and pressure up. He has the most impressive striking differential on this card at seven to four, and he couples that with an 84% takedown defense and an entire championship career worth of experience. After dropping back-to-back -back fights to Volkanovski, Holloway has put together two impressive wins in a row. First was the absolute destruction over Calvin Qatar, where he landed 447 strikes. And the second was a win over Yair Rodriguez, where he worked in three takedowns, which was more in one fight than we have seen him get in his last 10 fights combined. But before I give my pick for this fight, let me recap the last two times they fought. Essentially, Alexander Volkanovsky won the first two fights. They were close, but he did win. He landed more strikes in both matchups, and he worked in three takedowns in their second fight. So while they were close, I do think Volk won both of them. I, I have to assume this fight is more of the same. High volume and occasional takedowns from Volkanovsky to win a decision the wild card here will be Holloway's wrestling, though. I mentioned he had three takedowns in his last fight, and in his 25-fight UFC career, we have never seen him get that many takedowns in a single fight. But I would be doing you guys a disservice if I didn't also mention that while Holloway's wrestling looked good in his last fight, I thought his striking looked pretty bad, honestly. He took more damage than we have ever seen him take, and I think the years are starting to catch up to him. I like Volkanovski to win this fight, and I just hope it's clear. I just... Honestly, I need Volkanovski to win this fight because if Holloway wins this fight, then what? Are we watching this a fourth time? So I think Volkanovski wins. Holloway will have that high volume output. I just, I'm worried about the damage he's starting to take. Go back, watch the Ayer Rodriguez fight. He took a ton of damage in that fight. And then we have the main event of the evening. We have Israel Adesanya taking on Jared Cannonier. Israel Adesanya, he's working his way towards middleweight goat status. He's not there yet, 
and he's probably not very close, but he is working his way there with Anderson Silva looming above. And he's obviously an amazing kickboxer who at middleweight looks almost unbeatable. He times his shots really well. He's a great counter striker with a really good chin. He will literally roll his shoulders and bob his head while opponents throw a ton of punches at him. Almost nothing lands and he quickly fires back with short hooks and straights. His takedown defense is solid at 77%, but Whitaker, Jan, and Marvin Vittori were all able to take him down multiple times. Jared Cannonier is a very powerful guy with incredible leg kicks. He switches from southpaw to orthodox, and he throws kicks from both sides. He has okay grappling, but it's mostly defensive, right? He's massive for the weight class because he started his career at heavyweight, and he's worked his way all the way down the middleweight. If he ends up on top, which is where I think he'll want to be in this fight, he has a ton of power and pressure, and he's impossible to get out from under. He's coming off a second round knockout over Derek Brunson, where he gave up three takedowns, but he stayed composed and ended up putting him away. This is a really interesting fight because it is a clash of the striking styles. Jared with the big power versus Izzy with the clean and versatile technique. We have never seen Izzy have trouble with power in the UFC, but we do know he was knocked out by Alex Pajeda in a kickboxing match. And a heavyweight, who's now a middleweight in Jared Cannonier. Definitely hits hard enough to do some real damage. While Jared will be very dangerous with his strikes, he offers almost no takedown threats, and I think that's the issue for him. Without the threat of a takedown to set up the big powerful strikes, Jared's power is going to be obvious. I think Izzy's going to see it. I think he's going to have better speed, better technique, and he's literally going to beat Jared to the punch every single time. So I like Izzy to win this fight, but it will be very interesting to see what happens if Jared lands clean. I just wish he worked in some more takedowns to really threaten from all sides instead of, he's just gonna, it's gonna be a kickboxing match versus the superior kickboxer. I think Israel Adesanya gets it done and then I would love to see him versus Strickland or Pajeda, depending on how that goes. Guys, let me know in the comments what your picks are. Do not forget to join our free Discord. It costs literally nothing. That is in the description. And go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five different betting partners. They all offer free money, promo matches. And then on top of that, we will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Cash app, Venmo, PayPal, however you want it. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. We'll see you guys later this week with all of our content.